Takes is a podcast from BCA Research, informing investors with straightforward, actionable analysis of macro and market events. Hi there, and welcome to the Quick Takes podcast. I'm your host, Rakaya Ibrahim, strategist at BCA Research. The sell-off in European risk assets has been relatively more pronounced than the sell-off in U.S. risk assets in recent months. After a period of outperformance in the earlier part of 2023, both the euro as well as European equities have given up their year-to-date gains relative to their U.S. counterparts. The European economic data is not encouraging. The contraction in the eurozone's preliminary Q3 GDP estimate indicates that economic conditions are poor in the euro area. Meanwhile, the October inflation data reveals that price pressures are softening. In this context, is the ECB done its rate tightening cycle and should investors expect to pivot to rate cuts to provide relief for the eurozone economy and risk assets? To help answer these questions, my colleague Mathieu Severi is joining me on the podcast this week. Mathieu heads up BCA Research's European Investment Strategy Service. Hi Mathieu, welcome back to the podcast. Hi Rukaya, thank you for having me. So let's start off with the data. Some of the recent data coming out of the euro area has been on the weak side. So for example, Q3 GDP was a slight disappointment. It showed that economic activity contracted by 0.1% quarter on quarter, which is a deterioration from the 0.2% growth in Q2. We haven't seen the final PMIs yet, but the flash estimates show both manufacturing and service sector activity declined at a faster pace in October. And the latest ECB bank lending survey showed lending conditions tightened and loan demand weakened in Q3. But there are also some glimmers of hope from some of the soft data. So for example, the expectations component of the Zoo Investor Sentiment Survey and the IFO Business Climate Survey both rebounded. So when you put it all together, do you believe that there is a case to be made for economic conditions to improve in the euro area over the coming months? Or would you fade the signal from the indicator suggesting that there are some green shoots? There is a good case to expect a bit of a stabilization more than a significant improvement in economic condition in the eurozone. As you've mentioned, the more forward-looking indicators, uh, such as the IFO, the ZDW, are starting to stabilize. Uh, when we look at the confidence indicator from the European Commission, they also came in a bit better than expected. So those forward-looking indicators are definitely uh, turning a little bit the corner. The case really rests on two factors. The first one is the global industrial cycle. Really, most of the weakness that we've seen until now in the Eurozone reflects the weakness of the industrial sector. It's not random that the weakest economy in Europe right now is Germany, the one most exposed to that industrial cycle. So what are we talking about specifically? Well, the new order to inventory ratio globally has picked up. It's picked up particularly in Sweden, which I often like to highlight because the Swedish economy sits very early in the global supply chains and therefore tends to send early signal when it comes to the global and European industrial cycle in particular. Moreover, when we look at the GDP data that came out uh, this morning, the main reason why there was an underperformance, why the data, the GDP growth itself uh, was below expectation was actually because there was pretty 
pretty significant purge in inventories that continue to take place and that accelerated in the third quarter, which means that inventory level now in the Eurozone are quite slim and uh, therefore in need to being uh, rebuilt a little bit. The Additional factors still related to the global industrial cycle is that the U.S. is by far the largest trading partner of the Eurozone. And we know that the industrial sector in the United States is picking up, which is very positive for the export of capital goods from Europe to the United States. The other factor that's very important is the fact that inflation is slowing down. And this is a big positive because we've seen very weak consumption data out of Europe, especially in real term, because real wages have been extremely depressed in terms of growth. Uh, consumer confidence suffered a lot as a result. And now that inflation is decelerating, uh, this is helping uh, real wages. It's helping consumer confidence. European consumers have a lot of excess savings, roughly 1 trillion euro. And this means that over the course of the next few months, we are likely to see that external sector and the consumer sector become a little bit of a tailwind. Now, I don't want to sound overly exuberant here. The reality is that monetary policy is quite tight. In the next few months, we'll see a lot of refinancing taking place, which means that the elevated rates created by the ECB will start to have a stronger and stronger impact on the private sector and therefore force some significant belt tightening. So while we can see some stabilization and maybe marginal improvement in data in Q4 and Q1 2024, the odds are very elevated that Europe falls in a full-fledged recession in Q3 of 2024. So then in this environment, what do you expect from the ECB? The Governing Council unanimously voted in favor of leaving interest rates unchanged last week. That followed 10 consecutive rate increases. As you mentioned, the CPI report for October seems to support that decision. It showed inflationary pressures are easing. So do you believe that the ECB has done its hiking cycle or in light of the strength in some of the leading indicators, do you think it's possible for the ECB to go again? And more importantly, the conversation around global monetary policy is shifting from whether central banks are done tightening to timing when they're going to pivot to rate cuts. So what's your take on this question for the ECB? So I think that odds are extremely elevated that the ECB has done tightening despite this improvement in some leading indicator. And uh, uh, the reason is something you've hinted at, which is that inflation is decelerating quite sharply, and this is giving a lot of ease of mind, peace of mind for the ECB. Moreover, we have signed that the transmission of monetary policy to the economy is really beginning. Uh, when you look at uh, indicators of economic activities, such as construction, capex, all of that remains quite strong. But the bank lending activity is very weak, which is the first phase of the impact of monetary policy and confirms that policy is very, very tight in Europe. So um, as a result, we have policy that is tight and it just needs to uh, do its job. And uh, ultimately, it will result in weakness in the labor market. So yes, we are done with 
interest rate increase. There is always a risk if inflation expectation become unanchored to the upside that the ECB has to go again. But right now, the odds of this phenomenon is quite limited considering what we've seen for near-term inflation expectation and the fact that the economy is running quite below trend. When it comes to rate cuts here, it is sadly still too early to expect significant rate cut out of the ECB uh, in the near term. And the reason is related to the labor market, which is that wages are still running at elevated gross rate. The unemployment rate has continued to decrease. So we haven't seen the kind of environment that will make the ECB fully comfortable that it can start to ease policy, i.e. the ECB is likely to want to see first downside in wage growth. It's something that uh, Christine Lagarde has hinted at very recently. And uh, in order to have those conditions, a bit of a higher rate of unemployment is most likely necessary. So that's likely to take a little bit more time before we see those proper conditions. It will, in all likelihood, demand that recession to begin in the Eurozone. So that means that until the summer, so end of Q2, beginning of Q3, we are quite unlikely to see uh, significant uh, rate cuts out of the ECB. And just for reference sake right now, when we look at the ESTR curve, the first rate cut, full rate cut, is priced somewhere between the April meeting and the June meeting. So um, this suggests that it is already the market's assessment of the direction of policy in the Eurozone. Now, thinking about the investment implications of this outlook, the euro has been on a general downtrend versus the US dollar since mid-July, and it has given up its year-to-date gains. But more recently, for the past month or so, it's somewhat stabilized. Do you think that the soft data releases that we talked about earlier, specifically the ZEW and the IFO, suggest that there is scope for the euro to strengthen over the near term, or do you believe that it's more likely to continue weakening from here? The euro here is more a story of the dollar than anything else, to be entirely honest with you. So my bias is to expect a stabilization in the euro. We have recommended our clients to buy the euro around 104, optimally a little bit below 104. We never really fell below 104. We stabilized around uh, 104.5 or so. But uh, why that view? Ultimately, it's related to the Fed. The market has really taken to heart the message of higher for longer. The uh, software curve has been repriced to reflect this reality. And uh, uh, this means that the upside pressure on the dollar has materialized and doesn't have to materialize anymore when we think about the Fed policy. Uh, the near-term risk for the euro, however, can come from two vectors. The first one is if we continue to see further deterioration in the economic data. So essentially, if my view on growth is wrong, then the market will start to price in earlier rate cuts out of the ECB, and that will weigh on interest rate differential and the euro. The second near-term risk for the euro is related to the crisis in the Middle East uh, right now. If it starts to uh, spill over to oil producers, 
in various forms. We are likely to see uh, significantly higher oil prices, especially in a context where both Russia and Saudi Arabia are limiting the supply of oil to put pressure on Western government for different reasons. Russia, it's obviously Ukraine. Saudi Arabia uh, would like to see someone else than Biden in the White House after November 2024. So this is a context where we could see a bit of a terms of trade shock uh, against uh, Europe with higher energy prices that would be negative for the euro. So net-net, when you put those forces together, I think the euro has a bit of scope to rebound here, but nothing really too major. I doubt that the euro will move above 110 from here, and that's probably being very generous. 108 is a more likely near-term target. And beyond that, if we do get a recession next year, historically, the euro responds poorly to that global recession uh, because it's a pro-cyclical currency. The dollar is a counter-cyclical currency uh, that tends to enjoy recessionary environments. Mathieu, thanks again for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Quick Takes podcast. We'll be bringing you weekly quick takes with BCA strategists on a range of macro and market topics. Stay tuned for next week's episode.